Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The GX on Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. When you're in the market for a new Ford, stop by Future Ford for a great selection of new and used vehicles. Task Ag Today with Rod McDonald. Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And it's time now for Precision Weather with meteorologist Phil Spivak. A fair amount of cloud here today. No precipitation from it yet. Are we expecting anything? Well, there, there was a lot of it, uh, just not here. It's uh, a large uh, cluster of showers sitting over uh, the U.S. side of the line, stretching it a little bit, though. It is making its way uh, northward, just not quite this far north, but almost a, uh, a beeline from the uh, southwestern corner of Manitoba toward Regina. So that's the line where the showers are at this point, very slowly uh, meandering around a bit. We'll keep the threat uh, for a couple of these to cut through, but it's really not a track for us. It's, uh, it happens to be there, it's moving around close by, will more likely get grazed by it than anything else. Uh, areas south and west, again, a much better chance for showers. North and, north and east, no issue at all for showers. Shouldn't be uh, any problems. Temperature 21 this afternoon. What we do have, though, as mentioned, is the cloud. The cloud cover is going to be rather persistent through the afternoon. And uh, actually, looking at uh, the next few days, the cloud cover is going to be the main weather feature. There are going to be some periods where the sun gets through, uh, trying to now, especially on the uh, northeastern sky, uh, but the next few days pretty cloudy as we have several storm systems that are going to be cutting across and finally clearing out uh, by the time we get into Friday. Temperatures tonight falling off to around 9 with the next wave of this series coming through. Our chance of showers does start to increase toward morning and through the day tomorrow. Showers could actually be heavy at times for a bit during the mid-afternoon especially. And the temperature is going to be held down. The air mass that we're in is warm. The problem is the cloud cover and being right on the frontal boundary itself is going to keep us from really getting into that warm air for the actual temperature response. It'll be rather humid. 17 degrees, though, for the Orton area. You get a little farther southwest because that boundary is right here. You'll see temperatures a few degrees warmer. Likewise, go just a skosh northeast, you'll see temperatures a few degrees cooler. So likely a range anywhere from 14 to 20 across our region tomorrow from northeast to southwest. Those showers will clear out. We'll uh, still have the cloudiness pretty persistent on Thursday with a low of 10. And Friday, as I mentioned, the next system clears out. Uh, weak front comes through. Uh, chance for some showers later in the day. Temperature again struggling. High of 16. If we can get some sun through that cloud deck and it looks like a much less of a thick overcast on Friday, we may squeeze a few more degrees out of it. But we'll say around 16 on the average. Saturday, partly sunny sky. Another round of showers cuts in. It's another wave of this series. No real uh, break for it, just these couple of hours in between the waves. 22, though, is the high on Saturday because we do get a bit of sunshine out and because this next wave pulls the cooler air a little farther north and eastward. Look for sunshine on Sunday. Any showers that linger today will clear out to be a pretty nice day. And that should set us up for a much uh, nicer stretch of weather into early next week.
All right, thank you, Phil. Now, turning to this hour's temperature roundup, 16 degrees in Indian Head, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, and the Paw. 17 this hour for Broadview, Musiman, Hudson Bay, Roblin, Shoal Lake, and Russell. 18 in Swan River, along with Brandon and Saskatoon. Regina, kind of cool this hour, only 13 degrees in the Queen City. And in the Yorkton-Melville region, it's mainly cloudy. The wind is east-northeast at 12, relative humidity 56%. Our temperature holding steady over the past hour at 17 degrees. Yesterday's high and low, 23 and 12. Normals for this date, highs near 24, overnight lows near 10. No precipitation recorded up for the 24-hour period ending at midnight last night. Sunrise this morning was at 527. The sun will set tonight at 823. Warmest place in the province yesterday, Maple Creek, 28. The Saskatchewan cool spot, Meadow Lake, dipped down to 2 degrees. In Manitoba, Melita, 26. And Tadouli Lake, the Manitoba cool spot, at 6 degrees. Again, our current conditions, it's mainly cloudy and 17 degrees. It's 1226 now, 126 in Manitoba. The Beef and Forage Report is coming up next. First, though, let's... Beef and Forage Report. Forage you pick. A tool that helps farmers and ranchers from British Columbia to the Maritimes choose forages best suited to their fields, calculate seeding rates, and manage forage weeds is now available online at no cost. The service is provided through the Beef Cattle Research Council. Forage UPIC originally launched back in 2020 and was created through the contributions of more than 13 different organizations to help Western Canadian producers select forage species that are a good fit for their individual fields. The Saskatchewan Forage Council was one of the organizations contributing to the initiative. Again, check out Forage UPIC. You can find it on the Beef Cattle Research Council website. And that is today's Beef and Forage Report. It's 12.30 now, 1.30 in Manitoba, and it's time for Ag Review, a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. EX94, Ag Review. From this week's Manitoba Crop Report, the harvest of winter wheat and fall rye continued over this past week. Harvest in the Dauphin and Swan Valley area is approximately 80% complete. Early yield reports on winter wheat averaging about 65 bushels an acre. Most spring cereal crops are in the intermediate to hard dough stage. Overall, cereal crops remain in fair to mostly good condition. Most of the canola crop, at least in the northwest region, range from early to late pod fill with some color change noted on the early seeded crop. Overall, canola crop condition ranges from fair to mostly good. Durham wheat is going to be at a premium. It appears highly unlikely that this year's Durham crop in Canada and the U.S. will be big enough to meet the demands of the countries that normally import Durham to make pasta. In the July 12th USDA crop production report, the agency said Durham production this year was forecast at 54 million bushels, down close to 10 million, or 16 percent from last year. Canadian Durham production also expected to be down significantly. And it's not just a quantity issue, there's also concern about quality. 
poor quality would not only be detrimental to uh, exports to key pasta-producing countries such as Italy, but would also be detrimental to U.S. and Canadian pasta makers. According to Saskatchewan Agriculture, the condition of the Durham crop has steadily declined from a rating of 87% good to excellent back around the end of May to just 11% good to excellent in the most recent crop report, with 60% of the Durham crop rated poor to very poor. Flax straw is being transformed into a bedding material for animals. A company based in the Regina area is behind the plan. Prairie Clean Energy will purchase flax straw from producers around Regina and Gilbert Plains, Manitoba to produce flax pellets. Company officials say the flax pellets are then used to produce a superior animal bedding product for horses, cows, and other small animals. Plain Clean Energy will be purchasing flax straw within a 75-kilometer radius around both Regina and Gilbert Plains. The company estimates it will buy anywhere from 6,000 to 54,000 tons of flax straw. And farm groups and farm shows are critical of animal traceability rules introduced by the Canadian Food Inspection Agency. It requires groups and venues hosting rodeos and 4-H beef shows and the like, to put the onus on volunteers to track all livestock that had been on site. Federal Tory agriculture critic John Barlow says the rules need to be either amended or scrapped entirely. The CFIA has got bigger problems and bigger fish to fry, and when their resources are stretched as thinly as they are, it just doesn't make sense to be taking on additional responsibilities, certainly when uh, there are much bigger issues for them to be focusing on. Barlow says the Canadian Cattlemen's Association and other livestock groups feel the rules are unnecessary and, in fact, will do more harm than good. And that is today's Ag Review. It's 12.35 now, 1.35 in Manitoba. Of course, we have the closing U.S. Livestock Futures to report on. That's coming up here shortly. Before we get to that, though, let's check in again now with Tanya Cherry. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. We do have the closing livestock futures coming up next. Well, it was announced in January. Here's a reminder for Saskatchewan producers renting Crown Land that support is available. Lessees may be eligible for a decrease in rent through the 2023 Crown Grazing Lease Rental Reduction Program. Executive Director of the Lands Branch at the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture, Grant Zelenko, says if an individual or pasture association has to reduce the number of livestock on pasture by 20% or more below the rated carrying capacity of their leased grazing land, then they're eligible. And those eligible can have their rent reduced by up to 50%. So we're just in the final stages of developing the program. We'll be reaching out to our clients with program information as soon as this is completed ahead of our fall billing, uh, billing schedule. The other uh, opportunity would be for our lessees to contact their local land management specialist and they will have program information available in the very near future that they can share with the lessees. 
Zelenko talked about how much crown land is utilized by producers. Yeah, there's approximately 5,800 uh, grazing leases across the province. We're, we're estimating at this point uh, about 2,000 of our leases are in, are, are in areas of the province that we've identified as dry or, or very dry. So in total, uh, the province has about 6 million acres of crown land under grazing lease. Of course, drought conditions are plaguing parts of the province, especially in the west and west-central regions. So the concerns that we've been monitoring have been greatest on, on the west side of the province, you know, particularly in that, that west-central area. Uh, and we understand precipitation is, is spotty. It doesn't follow lines on a map, so it's just not uh, as simple as saying, you know, here, here are the boundaries. But in general, that's the largest area of concern that, that we're, we're carefully monitoring at this time. The rent reduction program was mentioned in a series of supports announced by the provincial government for farmers facing dry conditions and low-yielding crops. It's coming up on 1239 now, 139 in Manitoba. Livestock market conditions. And here are today's closing U.S. livestock futures. October live cattle, 181.70, up 80 cents at the close. December live cattle closed at 185.50, up 30 cents. September feeder cattle closed today at 250.62, 100 weight, up a buck 20. October feeder cattle, 252.15, up 92 cents. October lean hogs closed today at 81.57 down $3 and December lean hogs 75.02 down to 10 and those are today's closing US livestock futures we have the closing grain prices coming up in about 10 minutes from now at 10 to 1 10 to 2 in Manitoba and welcome back to Saskag today I'm Rod McDonald filling in just for a few more days here for Doug Falconer Doug will be back at the helm again on Monday with harvest bearing down on us, it's time for a refresher on harvest aids. Tom Weir is a retired Yorkton agronomist. He says harvest aids are herbicides that growers apply to crops at or near harvest time to bring on the ripening of the crop and to kill weeds that are growing in the crop. Weir says there are a few things that farmers need to keep in mind before applying the herbicides different buyers that, that are saying uh, we don't want uh, harvest uh, herbicides applied. Uh, so that's the number one thing. Before you go out there and apply it, just make sure that your end user is going to buy it. Uh, secondly is um, there is a pre-harvest interval on these products, and each one may have a different one. The idea there is it tells you uh, how many days that you have to wait until you harvest the crop uh, so the residues are uh, are dissipated. So those are a couple of things that a, gr- a grower should do before he, he uh, decides to apply one of these products, or in some cases uh, they use uh, a couple of products mixed together. Weir says proper staging of pre-harvest aids is very important. Because... Applying it uh, too early is just like swathing too early. You are going to lose yield. Uh, the, the crops, if they're not physiologically mature, uh, they basically 
dry down and and uh, you lose yield. I've uh, had instances where we've recorded it and 10, 15% can occur if it's applied at the wrong time. And and that's a, a something that's really critical this year because, uh, as you know, we've, we've had a very dry summer. And so areas of the field that had better subsoil moisture, uh, probably low areas, sloughs and that sort of thing, are still maybe green and the rest of the field is ready for uh, our harvest uh, aid desiccation or something along that line. So a grower has to decide is, is, is he willing to lose yield in those low spots, which are probably going to be the highest producing area of the field, to get out into the field maybe four or five days earlier. So uh, that's a decision each grower have to make. I guess this year there's probably, at this stage of the game, um, as we're talking, not a big rush to get out there in the field. We're you know, early in August, which is probably uh, 10 days to two weeks ahead of, of where we'd normally be. What do you look for when staging wheat, Tom? To stage wheat for the proper application, you want physiological maturity which basically there's an organ at the base of the head called a peduncle. And uh, that's just right where the stem attaches to the head. Once that has turned tan or beige, it's ripe. Uh, The head may still have green in it, but it's physiologically mature at that stage. And what I use uh, as a guideline, I want to see, go out into the field, grab handfuls of, of grain, and count the number of heads in there and the number of heads that are still have green on that uh, in that peduncle area. You want to see that less than 15%, so 85% of the head ripe. And, of course, that's across the whole field. So if there's areas that are uh, still green, and there are, I've noticed that in fields, areas that are grass green this year, you got to, as I said before, make a decision. Do you want to sacrifice the yield in those areas to uh, hit the other stuff and get it right? But for sure this year, look for that 85% mature. With canola, it's uh, you know it's sort of in that 65, 75% color change before you want to apply a uh, uh, harvest aid on it, and especially if you're putting on a product like heat because heat brings it on really quickly and uh, so you might uh, lock in some some green kernels so as I said uh, probably 65-75% uh, seed color change. Weir says growers using an aerial application of pre-harvest aids should take extra precautions. I've observed over the last few years a number of uh, right-of-ways, the, the RM uh, road allowances, although they're not active as road allowances with uh, fairly sizable trees getting uh, damaged or killed by aerial application of, of these harvest aids. And uh, although it may not seem like a big deal to some operators, uh, it, it more and more we have to be conscious of our, of our neighbors and the desire for these people to have nature land to walk along and uh, take their dogs out uh, for runs and stuff. You might not think of that a big deal, but these guys are guys that can get boisterous, and, and it's harvest aid is a tool that we don't want to lose. So, I really recommend if you're if you're aerial buying uh, these products to to do a couple of headlands by uh, 
by ground application to make just to make a uh, a buffer away from these trees. So uh, keep that in mind when when you're going out to to uh, aerial apply uh, products. My guest is Tom Weir, retired Yorkton agronomist. He says current crop conditions in the region seem quite variable. And it all depends on where you've got rain. I was up in the, the Kelvington area, south of Kelvington, and well, north of Kelvington too, and the crops are really good there. Uh, Carrot River has some really excellent looking crops, and, and really all the way up there and, and uh, coming back a different uh, way, the, the crops all look good to, to very good. Uh, I was out in some canola fields uh, on Saturday, and yeah, they they look uh, very good up in that area. Uh, you don't have to go too far south and uh, west, and, and you start running into to some uh, some poorer fields. And straight west again, uh, you get much past uh, uh, Ituna, and you start seeing go downhill. We expect some early harvest activity could get underway in our region soon. There's some barley fields uh, that I've seen that are, are going to be probably ready in the next five to ten days for sure. And there's some wheat fields not very far behind. So it, it depends on the rains that the farmers got, the, the exact location. I mean, you don't have to go very far in this just general neighborhood Right here in Yorkton, we've been missing a lot of the rains that uh, north and south have got. You don't have to go very many miles. So uh, there's going to be fields right around Yorkton that are going to be ready to go. I'm sure wheat fields in the next uh, 10 days, again, to two weeks. And we'll see some crops being taken off. And canola generally is a little bit farther behind. But if we get the heat uh, that we've been having for the last couple of weeks, it's not going to take long for it to come in either. Again, that's Tom Weir. He's a retired Yorkton agronomist, and I should take this opportunity to just to thank Tom because uh, he's certainly been a great source for me over the years and continues to provide his expertise to uh, uh, SaskAg today. And, Tom, we appreciate your efforts. And it's 10 now before 1, before 2 in Manitoba. Commodities Update. Canola futures were down at the close today. November canola, 775.90 a metric ton, down $15 today. January canola, 780.80, down $14.20. September, Minneapolis wheat, 819 and three quarters a bushel, down 11 cents. September, Kansas City wheat closed at 761 and a half, down 9 cents. September Chicago wheat, 635 a bushel, down 21 and a quarter. September corn, 481 a bushel, down 4 and 3 quarters. September soybeans closed at 1355 and a quarter, up 1 and 3 quarters. And September oats closed today at 414 and a half, up 3 and 3 quarters of a cent. And those are today's closing commodity prices. And finally today on SaskAg Today, hit and miss rain showers were reported across Manitoba this past week. Manitoba Agriculture's James Fry says some areas received a substantial amount of rain, while others were completely shut out. Well, it's been another hot week here, in, in, uh, even in the northwest region. We, we have um, precipitation that, uh, for whatever reason, the paw keeps drawing the long straw and got the most precipitation over the 
the week uh, with 41.8 millimeters. So that's just about one and six tenths of an inch. And uh, Roblin, where I live, and uh, regions around us, we received zero. So it's been uh, a lot of variability there. San Clara is still the um, wet spot for the region with uh, 94% of the normal. So we've kind of dipped below that 100% mark even for San Clara. Whereas on the other hand, Keld, which is just a bit west of Dauphin, has 39% of the regular moisture for the season based on a 30-year average. So that's kind of gives you a picture of just how much variability we've uh, seen across the region. And then weather, you know, we've we've seen it kind of in that plus 30 range uh, for daytime highs, but still dipping down to single digits at night. So it's that, you know, not surprisingly has resulted in a number of powerful thunderstorms in, in some localized areas. But the damage, if any, uh, related to those thunderstorms is is not known to us at the moment. How beneficial are these late-season rains for crops, James? It's going to depend entirely on the crop. So some of the crops, uh, you know, for sure, winter cereals, you know, they're done with their growing. Even some of our spring cereals, they're really just beginning to dry off, getting into that hard dough stage. But we we definitely would see some benefit for crops like uh, soybeans yet, which are really just entering into kind of that full pod stage. So. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I guess the question is, it depends who you, who you ask. The answer depends who you ask. So we would want to have rain if we're a soy farmer, but, uh, you know, if we're looking to harvest our winter wheat or, or some of that late hay, we just want to keep it dry. Fry says growers have been making good progress on harvesting fall seeded crops. Provincially, I think the average was somewhere between 30 and 60%, uh, which is obviously a, a range depending on we're talking about winter wheat or rye, uh, but in the northwest region, we uh, reported somewhere around 80% of winter cereals harvested in the Dauphin Swan River area, and uh, and what has not been harvested uh, yet will very likely soon be. Uh, and then, if we think about spring cereals, we're actually getting awfully close there as well. You know, some of those some years we do see both fall and spring seeded wheat uh, kind of getting harvested in in a pretty tight range there. So most Spring soils in our uh, northwest region would be in the soft to hard dough, and uh, and some pre-harvest application has already occurred. So you know uh, producers are getting ready to move in not uh, too long from now. And in terms of the quality, we're actually, you know, all things considered, uh, given the amount of precipitation we've had, we still see those those uh, scores coming out quite high: 10% excellent, 70% good and only 20% fair, so still all in the in the positive categories there. Fry says early yield reports on winter wheat are averaging about 65 bushels an acre. Switching our focus to canola now. Well, we've got some, most of the fields now that are in pod, fully in pod, uh, with no more yellow in the field, but yeah, some of those late-seeded fields we do see still 10 to 15% is still in flower although it's assumed that, uh, especially with this hot weather we've been having, that we're going to see uh, those those flowers drop off. There has been some, um, you know, can, if you look at the tops of the plants especially, you can see some evidence that the heat has, in fact, caused aborted flowers at the, the, at the most recent um, growing points and some sun scald, which is essentially the plant version of a sunburn. Uh, and and then some, some amount of... Uh, aster yellows, which is 
basically just a, a disease which can set into some fields. But again, we're looking at primarily primarily good good crops, uh, and uh, you know if you, if we're missing all the rains, like we have a, a shorter, maybe maybe thinner, um, lighter fill in those plants. But uh, all things considered, we're, we're we're thankful for what we do see in the fields. And peas are moving into an R6, R7 stage, which is to say that they're basically starting to look like a fully mature, fully ripe plant. And not surprisingly, harvest is underway already in some areas, like in Swan River. Uh, and those fields that have not been harvested yet are have probably received a desiccant. Uh, so com- you can expect that combines will be moving in pretty soon. And soy, as always, uh, as well, is, is a little behind uh, the in terms of development. It um, just is a slower maturing plant. So we see that in what's called R5 or R6, which is really just beginning to fill out seed in those pods, or we would see full pods. And finally, Fry says haying operations in Manitoba are winding down. Unfortunately, there's just been little regrowth. You know, we've, anybody who uh, has wondered why they haven't mowed their lawn more than once this summer uh, would realize the same things going on in the pasture. Uh, and that's, uh, as we talked about last week, uh, if you're a producer who's hoping to get a second cut of your alfalfa in, really be aware of that uh, critical regrowth stage, which is from August 13th to 15th, depending what region you are. If you cut after that period, you're really going to compromise the the uh, longevity of that alfalfa plant just by drawing way too much energy out of the roots this late in the season. James Fry is an applied production specialist with Manitoba Agriculture, and he's based in Roblin. That's about our time for the program today. We'll close out SaskAg today with GX94's precision weather forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, and Russell regions. Partly sunny this afternoon. There is a 30% chance of showers. Wind east, northeast 10 to 20, high 21. Mainly cloudy tonight. Again, 30% chance of spotty showers toward morning. Wind east, southeast 10 to 20, overnight low 9. Tomorrow, 70% chance of scattered showers and thunderstorms. Wind east, southeast 20, gusts to 35. High 17, overnight low tomorrow night 10. Mostly cloudy Friday, 30% chance of late-day showers, high 16. Partly sunny Saturday, 40% chance of scattered showers and up to 22 degrees. And Sunday, mostly sunny, 20% chance of early showers, daytime high near 24. On this hour's temperature roundup now, 16 degrees in Indian Head, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, and the Paw. 17 for Hudson Bay, Broadview, Mooseman, Roblin, Shoal Lake, and Russell. 18 in Saskatoon, Brandon, and Swan River. 19 degrees in Dauphin. Regina reporting 13. In the Yorkton Melville region, cloudy. The wind is east northeast at 12, relative humidity 56%, and our current temperature is 17 degrees. That's our time for today. Join me again tomorrow afternoon at 1215, 1:15 in Manitoba for Sask Ag today. I'm Rod McDonald. It's time now for GX94's news and sports headlines. CJGX Yorkton, a Harvard Media radio station serving Saskatchewan and Manitoba. We are GX94. 
Sask Ag Today has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner.